Are you actually starting getting recording now? Like, am I good to start the show? Yep, we're good. Okay, cool. Just making sure we don't need yet another false start to this. I think we just had one. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting here waiting. <laughs> <laughs> and then you did it, of all people. Now it's just par for the course. Welcome back, everyone, once again to a new installment of Screenplay Rewind. I'm Jeff. I'm Ron. And we are continuing our Friends and Family Month as a shocker to myself, first and foremost, because I thought I wasn't going to have a voice <laughs> left after the debacle that happened last time with fucking, thankfully, the last airbender. But what are we covering this week, Ron? This week, we are talking about Thumbelina. What a goddamn whiplash from the last airbender, <laughs> the thumb fucking Lena, dude. Jesus. Oh, boy. But. Before we start talking spoilers on Thumbelina, uh, Bobby emailed us again. He's the only one that consistently emails us. Yeah, by the, by the way, thank you, Bobby. We love you. And also, if you would like your email or prompt, you know, whatever, I was, was going to say, if anybody else wants to email us. Yeah, and anyone else wants to hit us up, you can email us, screenplayrewind at gmail.com, or send us a tweet or a DM over Twitter at SPR Filmcast. Hit us up any prop. I mean, if if you would have heard the fucking hour and a half of green room bullshit conversations that Ron and I just had <laughs> as we failed to start up this recording for many, many hours, you would know we were talking about literally anything. So I, I think it'd be really yeah. fun to have an all email podcast. Uh just a yeah. full episode yeah. of email. I, I love the emails. Uh did you want to say what Mr. Bobby emailed us in? Mr. Bobby emailed in and said what Studio Ghibli movie would you like to see made into a live-action American film? And I think this question spawned out of us uh, sending the tweets back and forth of... <clears throat> it was in, like, Tokyo, I think. They're starting up the actual Spirited Away theatrical production, which looks amazing if looks anyone is a Spirited amazing. Away fan. amazing. Yeah, if anyone is a fan of Ghibli or Spirited Away in particular, like, go Google those images, because... And then man, go listen to amazing. our Spirited Away episode from last year. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, coincidentally... Chris's pick from last year. Yeah, right, there you have it. Yeah, is it all full circle? Oops, um, all Chris's this episode. Oops, all Chris's. Yeah. So, uh, what is your answer to this question? So, uh, I would say none. Um, if I had to pick one, I think the one that'd be fucked up the least would probably be Mononoke. Cause... That was my answer too, and I, I actually have a director choice for about. You Do you? Um, I was gonna say I would like to see actually Throughline Games, which made Forgotten Anne, adapt something into one of their games, Forgotten Anne style, because Forgotten Anne is basically a Studio Ghibli movie made into a game already. It's so gorgeous too. You had just introduced me to that game in the, in the green room of the never-ending series of false starts that is our <laughs> podcast, and. Man, and coincidentally, I own Forgotten Anne because Bobby's the one that bought it for me and I played it on a live stream. So it's all tied there in you together. Have there you but have it. Yeah. I, uh, I think Throughline Games did such a great job with the aesthetics and the story and the light platforming and the light puzzle solving stuff and the characters are all really good. Um, I think they would do really good if you gave them like even Spirited Away, like they would do a fantastic job with something like that, I think. Because they, they've yeah, shown I, I think, in that game that they can handle some weird shit. I think Spirited Away would actually make for a good adventure type game, or even you know, because you you can work like the chores around 
as like you know like a mobile game structure you could work the chores around the bathhouse into a mobile game and people would eat that shit up oh yeah but uh my answer to it is is mononoke as well but i think it's such a specific thing that you talked about like it worries you because jib like nothing's like ghibli and it's such a specific tone that they have but i think would be very interesting is i would like to see a guillermo del toro mononoke movie because i think he could actually convey that you know because ghibli always has this very specific kind of tone to it and i think he del Toro's tone it. he respects it and in his ability to kind of convey charm in his more like i think about you know like the Hellboy movies and stuff like that, where it is darker subject matter, but he always has that kind of humor and lightheartedness along with it. Which is the I point he... of Mononoke, actually, by the way, <laughs> is uh, the heart to that story. And there's a lot of dark shit going on. There's monsters, demons, um, but there's the stuff going on with the main character, especially. Um, that movie is just not what it is without the heart that that main character has. And the same thing goes to Spirited Away. And honestly, I think if not Mononoke, I think my runner-up would be uh, for Del Toro also to direct. Would probably be... Uh, um, God damn it. I did this off the cuff without... Uh, I can't think of it. What's the name? Christian Bale? Billy Crystal? How, I was going to say Howl's Moving Castle. Castle. That was going to yes. be my second one as well. Um, yeah. Um, God, but, but also, tired. too... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when you record for an hour and a half before recording your actual podcast. Right. <laughs> but, um, and we're also recording this pretty late. So, for, you know, forgive us if we're even more stupid than we typically are. <laughs> but what, one thing that I, I would really like to see is the way that he adapts all of the, him, him and his prosthetics team with their costuming is always so cool. Like, uh, like just think about to some of the character design and like, and Hellboy and Pan's Labyrinth, I would love to see some of those Mononoke characters, the way that they would convey them, because it wouldn't all just be green screen. That's one of the things I like about him is even though he's doing fantasy, he doesn't take the easy way out. You know, he, he likes to have a really tactile feel to the the character designs. Like you think about that that you know the main creature in Pan. Have you ever seen Pan's Labyrinth, by the way? I have not. It'd be an interesting one to actually pick. I think for this show, aren't they remaking it or something? They're probably making it into uh, a non-subtitled version for America because we can't read, apparently. Um, oh, um, I was going to say, you're talking about costuming and stuff, and I couldn't think of it, so I had to IM, IMDB it because I've only seen it the one time. But uh, uh, his costuming uh, choices and some of his horror elements in Crimson Peak would be a good yes. fit as well. Yeah, really like Crimson Peak. Um, I think you yeah, and I are the that's... only ones. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, but I would I would love to see that. And I and in most instances, I agree with you, don't touch them. I think Modern I think Mononoke would probably translate the best because some of the other movies are just um like I think Spirited Away it's so culturally relevant to the East that trying to translate yeah, yeah. that to western audiences in live action uh I think would be difficult uh the same could be said for Mononoke, but I think less so because at the end of the day, and I'm not trying to boil down, you know, Eastern culture or anything, but at the end of the day, you're talking giant monsters and a really wiggly, wormy demon um, and a guy with a demon arm. I mean, and a giant deer, you know, that it's really what you're kind of boiling down to. I think that you can, you can do that in a, a good way that respects the material and is still still works for western audiences um a lot better than 
you know, every character in Spirited Away is culturally significant to yeah. Eastern audiences. Well, well e- even breaking it down just from a simple like story perspective too, Spirited Away almost ends in like an anti-climax, which is the point of the movie. And that yes. doesn't translate as well to a live action thing. Whereas Mononoke has a lot of, you know, it's more of a, like an action adventure movie. It has themes, but it's also not purely focused around those themes in the same way that Spirited Away, you know, it it it, it only exists to convey its themes. It's not, you know, an adventure the same way that like Mononoke is. Right. Uh, but I, I would really like to see a Mononoke movie or even like a TV show. I would like to see that if the right people were involved in it. Eight, eight uh, part miniseries. Yeah. Like HBO with like a big budget behind it. Would be really oh, cool. yeah. With Del Toro yeah. behind it, yeah, that'd be really good. Anything that has any abstract creature design, just have Del Toro's. Even if he's if he's only a producer and he's not actually directing it, just get his production teams, and it would make it better because their stuff always looks amazing. Like you, you have to see Pan's Labyrinth just to see some of the character design because some of the creatures, like the main creature, is such a great design. Uh, one of yeah. my um, one of my biggest reasons, though, that I'm set against this is not just because we're gonna fuck it up, but there's so much loss when you take something out of its medium and put it into another one and it being animated. I think there's a reason, a good reason why a lot of animated stuff turned live action just doesn't work, whether it be anime based or just regular animation based Western animation based is because there's, there's another language. There's a visual language that is lost. And I think like I said, giving it to Throughline Games to do a Forgotten and style uh, turn to it, you can get that visual language back um, with some interactivity and respect the story and everything else going on. And if you're doing it for Western audiences, you know uh, a lot of the stuff that would would kind of miss because um, the cultural differences. You can mm-hmm. work in ways to make that hit because you're talking about a longer medium than you are a film. Absolutely. So that that was my thoughts on it. It's a fucking good question, though. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, it's thank you. That made yeah, me it's, think. A, it's a great question. It's a great question, and thank you again for writing it in, Bobby. And I I think part of it too, uh, they must be, and, and obviously they have every right to. They seem to be even more protective of their their productions than you'd think they would be, uh, which is a reason why they haven't. I mean, it's kind of insane that we're only just now getting a theatrical adaptation of spirited away, you know? Right. And then that just goes to show you what it came out. I think 2001. So it took them 20 years just to be able to be comfortable of having that translated to a play, let alone, you know, a a Hollywood studio. So it'll it'll probably never happen because they have every right to be protective of their incredible, you know, catalog of movies. Um, But it, it would be interesting to see as long as, the right people were involved, be it a game, be it a movie. It just make sure you're getting people. And, and that is actually a good sign because they're so protective of it. I feel like if it ever was, you know, greenlit into another adaptation, I think it would be in good hands or they wouldn't have handed over the rights to it in the first place. Absolutely. Yeah. That's so why I, I would people are really telling like us to, to, you know, quit holding our breath on that weird Chris Pratt Mario movie because Nintendo is the same way and yeah. they are extremely guarded there's an entire book on how nintendo is mario and mario is nintendo and the way they safeguarded that character through the years mm-hmm. and why they never really licensed him out and why they're so protective of him and everything there's a whole audiobook on audible i went through um 
just about that character. So when people are like, yeah, it's weird, but it's also Nintendo and you don't know what they're doing. It might not even be the same kind of Mario, you know? So it's, it's kind of the same thing with them as I was getting at is mm-hmm. they're so protective and for them to try again after the uh, Bob Hoskins uh, movie. It, it, that, with uh, with Leguizamo. Man, just listen to I some of the productions. <laughs> just listen to some of the I production stories about how like fucking, was it like Leguizamo like broke his leg or something in the middle of filming it? There's so many horror stories behind that movie's production that it Dude, makes it amazing. Dennis Hopper's the villain and it's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's so, it's so fucking weird. I it's think it's I've Mad Max meets Super Mario and I fucking love it. With a whole lot of hallucinogenic drugs thrown in. <laughs> Dude, the so Bob Om scene at the end. Oh. I don't think I've ever actually... Oh. That would be a good one for someone to pick for their friends and family month at some point, is the, the Mario I'll movie. I'll pick it. I legit love I, that movie. I think it's a I good ha- movie. I don't think I've ever seen it all the way through, and it, it's fascinating to talk about, so we should have that on the show at some time. First name, Mario. Last name, Mario. Last name, <laughs> Mario. Your name is Mario Mario? <laughs> yeah. It's just like, oh, yeah. And then it's like, name, Luigi. Luigi, Luigi? No, Luigi Mario. <laughs> <laughs> That's a solid fucking joke. I fucking love it. Because <laughs> uh, it's so weird. You call him Mario, and they're the Mario brothers, but his name is Luigi. So you're, what is Mario's first name? That means you're calling him by his last name. Anyway. Yeah. Answer, yeah, asking the, the tough questions. You know. Right. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Bobby. Somehow, yeah. Studio Ghibli led into Mario. As, as you do. I'm high on caffeine, and I'm tired. <laughs> And I've talked a lot about the Nintendo Switch lately, so yeah, it's on the brain. It's on the brain. All right, nothing so, else yeah. is, but that is. Did you want to? So th- this was a selection by Chris. Uh, did Did you uh, have any background on what led her to pick this for us? I, I don't know if she had spoken to you uh, when she gave you the selection or not. She thought we would hate it. Really? Yeah, pretty much. Um, she. She wasn't sure. She thought it, it, it particularly amused her, I think, to think of you watching this. Um, oh, okay. I can see that. But because yeah, like, it is it is outside my wheelhouse uh, to a certain extent. Like, not crazy out of left field, but yeah. not something I, w- I would typically seek out. So I can see that. Um, Jeff, do you realize that this movie came out in 1994, which means. It was up against Lion King. Pretty wild, right? Uh, two years after Aladdin and three years after Beauty and the Beast. This movie, to me, feels like it was made in the 80s, not well, it's the inter- 90s. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, like, it, it has... It has that Don Bluth aesthetic with, like, the people-looking characters, but then mm-hmm. there's a lot of... Uh, there's almost like Ducktales style animation going yeah. on. It, it's uh, it's like a smorgasbord of animation designs to me. To where, yeah, I could I could totally see that, but I think that's almost intentional because when you watch, like, have you ever seen Anastasia by him? Yeah, that was like, her. Anasta- that was uh, what she was originally gonna pick, and then she changed her mind to Thumbelina, and then it was like, I don't know. A week or two later, you can't watch Anastasia anywhere. So, oh, really? We, we uh, Aurora and I just watched it on Disney Plus a couple weeks ago. Did they really take it down? 
Yeah, that it sucks. got uh, it got taken down, and everyone said it's due to uh, you know. I know we try to stay lighthearted here, but due to Russia invading Ukraine. But Disney was like, no, it's uh, it's a rights thing. It's not. It has sucks. nothing to do. That's that. That's that's really unfortunate because Anastasia is actually really good. Uh, I, I haven't watched... seen it in years. I don't. Remember. Yeah, I hadn't either. Uh, and Aurora and I watched it a couple weeks ago, and we both really really loved it. So that's a shame that it ended up getting just, just like this movie. Down. I think I watched it when it came out, and then never again. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you, I think you should actually watch Anastasia again at some point. It's it's a lot better than you remember it being. It, it was very very good. But but my point was, it was a Don Bluth movie a few years after this. I think I think Anastasia was like probably like ninety eight something like that, ninety seven maybe. But it also kind of has that same. It also kind of has that aesthetic of. It was almost like intentional. Like he was tr- almost trying to make it look more like a, like a seventies animation aesthetic, just because he he just really likes that. Because he you know he was such a classic. Because he's. Uh, we looked up his his Wikipedia just to kind of see how far back his animation roots with with Disney went, and his first animation job was as an assistant to one of the main animators of Sleeping Beauty. So he, he was very old school when it came to that. So I, I could kind of see them. It also could just be budgetary, you know. Of the, I, I feel like some of it is budgetary, um, because, I mean, animation is Disney's bread and butter. Um, not not so much with um. Who was this again? Uh, Fox, 20th Century Fox, mm-hmm. I think. Um, not so much with with them. They probably didn't afford it what Disney would have. Um, but it's not so much just in the animation. The animation is is pretty good. Uh, but even just like uh, some of the lines and the storytelling and some of the the songs didn't really land with me. It felt like an, a much older movie than it is. Yeah. It feels like a movie to me that was made in like the mid to late 80s that was released in the mid 90s. It's interesting. Um, I'm not saying it's bad, but at least for the era, there's some 2020 concerns I have. I was, oh, God. You're I talking was about very the, the frogs? You're talking about the frogs? <laughs> oh, everything. Everything. This movie's very rapey feeling. Uh, I don't which, know. Which, which is, it, to their credit, I actually like how they didn't hold back with like the theme of it. Well, here's be, the thing: be, because, the original be, story is like this identically. Yeah, so. which that's another thing too. Is like uh, that's actually one thing I thought that was kind of cool about you know this era of Bluth movies, and he never sugarcoated any of them. You know, right? Like, and Anastasia has some pretty heavy themes going on in it as well. You know, like you think of some back, uh, thinking back to some of the scenes in like American Tale. You know, it, it's always an animated movie but it's not you know like holding your hand at the same time you know like i, I actually like that they're pretty they're pretty now I, i'm not so crazy about some of the stereotypes going on but it was the fucking 90s and that was just okay for this period of time but yeah looking back on it with 2022 eyes it's like oof you know with like uh it's funny you mentioned the american of tale. the frogs like oh man it's funny you mentioned american tale because researching this movie is when i realized american tale was not directed by steven spielberg Oh, you thought it was a Spielberg movie? I thought it was a Spielberg movie. Uh, well, I know he had a heavy hand in making it. And was he like a producer, producer on it? Uh, Amblin Entertainment's one of the produ- production companies okay. on it. Because um, I was like, well, then why the fuck in the Steven Spielberg documentary I watched did they have a whole segment of Spielberg talking about American Tale and the making of it? And when I looked it up, um, he's not listed as a producer. He's not the director. But if you go down to production companies, Amblin Entertainment is the top company listed 
So. And to be fair, he, he he could have had more of an involvement than what is credited because you like there's like the oh I guarantee guys. you, I guarantee you if Amblin Entertainment's involved, it's uh, yes, Mr. Spielberg, when he has a thought. Guess- yeah, like with you know like the whole backstory with Poltergeist about how Toby Hooper is credited as the director, but everyone says like uh, no, uh, Spielberg directed this fucking movie all the way through. <laughs> yeah, it, it was like a whole thing. So like even even if his name's on it, because like Spielberg is the type, his fucking resume is so robust. He couldn't care less if there's a couple movies here and there. He's like, oh, yeah, I directed Poltergeist, but didn't get credit for it, and I don't even fucking care, because, like, look at the rest of my library of movies. You yeah. Know? Just couldn't give less of a shit. He just wants to make the movie. Mel, he just Bro- likes Mel Brooks movies. did that recently. Oh, yeah? Yeah, there's a... What are they... What what, what, do, what do you call the uh, cafeteria shops that you put the quarter in and open the glass window and pull the thing out? Um, you know what I'm talking about? You s- Bakley. Um, if you think back to uh, Bad Times at the El Royale and they're looking for something to eat. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, like those, there's entire cafeterias. You go in, the entire building is those. Um, they have a name. Um, Automat? Is it an Automat? Okay. I'm not sure. I'm going to Google Automat. I know what you're talking about. I just don't know what it's called. There is a documentary coming out about Automats. And the impact that they had in like World War II and Depression area era and stuff. And that type of shit, uh yeah, the automat. Fast food restaurant where simple foods and drinks were served by a vending machine. Um that type of era is catnip for Mel Brooks. He's all over that era. Mm-hmm. And he is one of the biggest names and uh, people putting money into the production of it, but he told them to leave his name off the credits because he doesn't want people to think it's a comedy. So he's not credited at all. But he's one that's of the, wild. He's one of the biggest names behind it. He didn't want his name to basically taint the uh, the public thought the perception of, the, of it. The perception. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for of uh, of yeah. the the Automat documentary. I, which, by the way. Like I, I love when creators can get to that point. He wrote an original where, song for it too, by the way. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you, I, I love you can look at it. I up. love where, it's kind of funny. I mean, of course it is. I know he was being serious, but it was kind of funny. Man's a genius. Yeah, it's Mel uh, Brooks. I, I, he can't I, not be funny. Right. I, I love when creators can get to that point to where they care more about the production and like the thing itself than their reputation around it. Right. Which is not you know, you think about people like Michael Bay. Who cares more about the fact that the movie opens up with directed by Michael Bay than the actual product itself? You know, people like that drive me fucking nuts. <laughs> so I love when you have something like that or like the Spielberg thing of how like they just want the thing to be good and they just want to make shit, you know? Is they, Michael they Bay the Gilson Pontes of film? Yes. Gilson! Except except somehow even more of a douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> If anyone doesn't know what Ron's referring to, uh, oh, oh god. god, what's 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 the most like famous one that, that that fucker did? He he made a series of video games where people keep giving him money, and Sony well, yeah, keeps publishing them in their, their store. Well, because the, he he's like stumbled onto his own fucking factory of money making because. Per, like like content creators will go and buy his fucking terrible video games just to have memeable like let's play material. You I know? think his most famous one. He's got a laundry list of them. I think his most famous one though is um, Sword of Fortress: The Onimuseum. Yes. Um. Oh 
my god that one was 2018 2020 was shadow the ronin the revenge of the samurai <laughs> all empty all titles games, that mean nothing all his games have like not just one bad title but like 12 different titles smushed together into one even worse title but what ronin's referring to he opens up every <laughs> single game that is just clearly a dumpster fire like you can tell from a mile away they're bad video games but he opens them up with directed by gilson Potas. Edited by Gilson Potters. Original composed, story. Original story. Screenplay story. Executive produced by Gilson Potters. One Gilson at Pontes. a time. One credit One at, at a time. time. And it takes you like three hours just to get to the beginning of the Dumpster Fire video game. And it is incredible. Not a Gilson Pontes video game or a game by Gilson Pontes. It is that with each individual credit listed as Gilson. And if you watch anything with a credit scroll, it's just his name over and over God, I love it. I absolutely love it. What a the fucking what a legend. What a legend. Oh, the balls. Anyway. Just to have no just the the lack of shame is respectable. You have to you have to commit that. But like, you know the joke? It's like, well, my uncle works at Nintendo. Like yeah. his uncle works at Sony because his games are all in the PlayStation store and they're all broken. And they pulled Cyberpunk for being a broken game, but they never pull his. (laughs) (laughs) What is happening? Oh, man. Yeah. Anyways, back to the movie. Yeah. Back to the movie. Uh, So uh, if people are unfamiliar, and I think you'd already warned, but spoilers for Thumbelina. It was a 1994 animated film by Don Bluth and Gary Goldman. Which, incidentally, we basically brushed past Don Bluth recently because when we were talking Deadpool... Um, sexy motherfucker. Um, <laughs> when we were, I can't not. I got. I've been listening to that on repeat since we watched. Deadpool. It's so good. It's so good. It, back when the the first movie came out, I listened to that every day driving to work for like a fucking month, dude. I f- it's so good. I forgot it exists. I totally it's, forgot the Deadpool rap exists. Oh my god, it's amazing. Sexy it's so catchy. And you'd be you'll be humming that shit all day and it like puts you in a good mood to start your fucking day, dude. It's like magic. This shit's <laughs> gonna have nuts in it. Um <laughs> But we were talking about Deadpool and I mentioned, huh, Ryan Reynolds is gonna be in a Dragon's Lair movie. And I couldn't remember the other one at the time, it's Space Ace. Dragon's Lair, Space Ace, Dragon's Lair 2 is the three games that I talked about. Don Bluth is the guy that directed all three of those. And if you Mm. look at the animation in those games and you look at any Don Bluth animation, but particularly this one, one to one, what's one to one. Yeah. One to one. He, he loves that style. Uh, it's, and it's almost like, I don't know the specifics of it, but wasn't like the whole point of dragon's lair to be able to like have uh, a thing to like generate money to put back into the animated productions because he, he he became so independent that like uh, I, I was reading on the Wikipedia for him, their first production studio actually went bankrupt. Oh wow, yeah, it's interesting. Like I applaud anyone who is interested in animation and doesn't know much about Don Bluth. Go read his Wikipedia page because he has a lot of interesting tidbits. Like um, I don't know if you're familiar with this either, but I learned today when I was reading up on him, Don Bluth is actually the first person in the animation industry to have a profit sharing system for, for the animators to actually really like have, uh, yeah, have, uh, their own profits generate from the productions. It's really cool. Interesting. Yeah. Cause Disney does the whole workshop thing where you get a Disney movie on your resume and basically you can get any job you want anywhere, but odds are they're just going to hire you anyway over at Pixar and you're going to be animating Disney movies anyway. 
Um, that's they workshop the MCU scripts the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but because that's interesting, because the biggest thing that Disney did was no one animated anything the way he wanted, so he started his own Disney School of Animation, and I think you had to do couple of movies or work for him for a certain number of years and you can go off to do animation for anyone you want but you learned how to animate the way he wanted for him and Pretty then Don, Don Bluth is doing profit sharing that's interesting yeah it's really it's it's interesting because he has this this background that makes him simultaneously come across as an asshole and also as like a genuinely good dude so he's an interesting sometimes person those, to... sometimes success and asshole go hand in hand though yeah but I mean, just the fact that he went out of his way to start the profit sharing, you know, like he yeah. gave a shit, like he gave a shit to some extent or he wouldn't have done that. He, I, I think he was just, well, if you're people so... working for you don't have any stake in what's happening, why do they care? Yeah. And I, I think he was also just so dead set on making these productions that are so, I mean, love them or hate them. Like all of those Don Bluth movies are his, like he, it's yeah. his, his voice is all over all of them. Cause they're all very slight, you know, especially with like, titan ae anastasia you know like uh and like with certain scenes in american tale you know they're always animation but they're never spoon-fed you know they're they're not they're they, they they're he's like willing to have that kind of like darker edge to them which i appreciate you know looking back yeah yeah no uh definitely it's it definitely sets them apart also but and it's also interesting the, too um the fact that they're it, handled, making sorry Oh, oh, I was just going to say, and it's interesting too, he's honestly making more of like a faithful adaptation of these Grimm's fairy tale type stories because they always would sugarcoat them for the Disney productions for the most part. But you know, like with Thumbelina, he is having those darker tones. Thumbelina you know, he's having is one-to-one. Thumbelina yeah. is just about one-to-one. It's 20 minutes on on Audible. <laughs> I drove mm-hmm. to Best Buy and back and listened to it. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's basically one. There's some minor differences, but it's basically one to one. And yeah, I, I it's, made it's... the joke that it was the movie in a nutshell, and my wife face palmed <laughs> and was like, "You're gonna use that, aren't you?" And I was like, "Yep, yep, yep, yep." yep can't buddy. contain himself. But it, it just makes me. It makes me. Even though you know I don't love all of his movies, I can respect like what he was trying to achieve. Right with them just as a just as a creator i i respect that that mindset too uh, but what, sorry what were you saying i was gonna say the uh thanks i completely forgot until you threw it back to me i was like what uh, <laughs> 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 I, now hold on ron let me let me yell about m night for another five minutes and you can have your turn that is still my favorite thing that has ever happened i started to talk you're like no hold on <laughs> and i never ever 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 do that in any situation so when i cut someone off to continue <laughs> raging about something you know it's serious <laughs> oh that was great um anyway i couldn't have been happier about it by the way um <laughs> like i said i wanted to shut my mic off and just go get some popcorn during that whole yeah, episode right. um anyways the like you said with the the way he handles the uh the way his movies at least handle the uh the darker uh, edge to them or the darker content is pretty interesting because they're all fairly successful at doing it, whether you like the movie or not. Uh, yeah. They all kind of have, uh, for the most part, like, uh, I, I wouldn't want to say all oh, I haven't seen them all, but the ones that I have seen all kind of have like the happy uh, Disney ending to them. 
But what is going on with them and a lot of the material and even the animation itself, uh, I guess as kind of a reflection of that, is darker. And like you said, it's more um, bringing the thing to life than a, more than an adaptation. And it's yeah, it's just handled really well. And that is a delicate thing to do, especially when you're aiming As, this thing at children. Especially with Thumbelina. Like, Thumbelina <laughs> has some really goddamn heavy Woo! themes going on in it. Like, it it's, I was watching it, and I was actually taken aback that, that some of the content there is, you know, conveying just this one-to-one -one translation of, you know, like, what is, you know, like, the objectifying of women... And for that to be in an animated movie in the 90s, like you said, in the heyday, uh, it has fucking Ariel's voice actor. And King Triton. Know? Yeah, it, it's it's kind of crazy that, that this movie, you know, exists. So I, I really applaud them for, for taking, because, you know, not, obviously not everything has aged particularly well, like the horrifically stereotypical frogs that oh. will probably oh. torment me in my dreams tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. I but, just want, the thing I appreciate... Well, I was going to save this for casting, but uh, I'll just save it for casting when we get there. Okay. Because it's my favorite thing about this whole movie. <laughs> but um, uh, the it, it, if, uh, it was, if anyone was curious, it's Hans Christian Andersen, who, who had written the classic fairy tale. It came out like the 1840s, I believe. Uh, with a new the... Danish author. That's a Frozen mm -hmm. 2 line. <laughs> and yeah. It's it's a pretty bonkers fucking movie. Uh, let's see, like, let's see, like, I'm curious what IMDb has as the basic plot summary. <laughs> uh, the re the retelling of the Hans Christian Andersen classic fairy tale uh, has the digit sized hair. Also, also digit sized, not a term I want to hear. Not a term I want to uh, hear, especially when you're talking about ever, a woman. <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Uh, heroine evading the clutches of various toads, moles, and beetles before she can proceed with her courtship with her dream lover, Prince Cornelius. So, yeah. You want to talk about the cast? I know you were Let's you talk about the cast. That. Yeah, start, start us off with the cast. Uh, you already mentioned uh, Jody Benson. Um, not a name that I know uh, directly, like, first off, but she was Ariel. Um, mm. Gino Conforti? Con Conforti? Conforti? As uh, Giacomo. Um, I recognize everything pretty much he's been in, but I haven't seen any of it hardly. Um, I feel like Barbara Cook was a name that I should have known offhand also as the mother. Yeah, it's so funny I you know say that. Face. I did. I did the exact same thing when we started up Thumbelina and they showed uh, Barbara Cook as the, one of the actors. I was like, where do I know that name from? I, I looked her resume up on IMDb and I wasn't familiar with anything because she was mostly just a uh, TV movie actor in like the yeah. 70s and 80s. And yeah, 60s. It, it, yeah. And I'm just like, why do I know that name? It's such like a there's one, name. one Alfred Hitchcock presents. Uh, other than that, okay. I don't. Uh, it's just so so funny that you had the exact same reaction. She must remind us of someone else, uh, is the only yeah. thing I can think of. Because even her face looks familiar to me. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, had the same reaction. Will Ryan is a hero slash Reverend Rat. Shocking that that was not Frank Welker as hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. absolutely shocking um june, the one animated property on imdb that doesn't have frank welker's name on the cast right june foray is queen tabitha king colbert is kenneth mars which like i said is king triton ariel's father mm -hmm. um again you haven't seen this yet but you'll be half a fish and you'll like it oh my god you have to watch Olaf presents dude um <laughs> 
Yeah, that's Kenneth Myers. Gary Emhoff is Prince Cornelius, which I'm sorry, but Prince Cornelius, if that if this was made in live action today, there's no way that's not Chris Pine, right? Just what's, looking at dude, him. what's fucking funny too, uh in uh, we were since I had talked about us watching Anastasia a couple weeks ago. If Anastasia were to be adapted, we and Aurora and I talked about it. Even even fucking Cusack's voice back then sounded like Chris Pine, but Chris Pine would be the main character, like the main dude at one thousand percent. So it's funny right. that you're, you're you you made that connection in this Bluth movie when I made it on the other one. There's uh there's something about one of the angles that they do with one of his reflections as she's thinking back on him that reminds me of Chris Pine from Into the Woods. I can see that. Um, is where that Prince, came from uh, for me. Just with a much more unfortunate haircut here. <laughs> Holy the fuck. Uh, with a real, real strong Matt Damon haircut going on here. Uh, th- that haircut, I feel like a lot of uh, Don Bluth characters have that haircut. The main guy in Titan that, AE has something very similar. The the Mob Damon haircut? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, Charo? Caro? Is Miss Toad? Ma Toad? Danny Man? Monzo? Which that's, that's the one especially, right? Is it Mozo? Or is, I, I is it don't Gringo? know. I don't know the names, but it's all. Woof. <laughs> oh, it's rough. Um, yeah, Dutch is my favorite thing that has ever happened in an animated film. Just get, uh, blindsides uh, you out of nowhere get, in a quiet moment. You just hear Gilbert yeah. Gottfried just, ah, yeah, Dutch. How. How does his voice simultaneously raise my blood pressure and also be charming to some weird fucking extent at the same time? How does that happen? But I I both love him and hate him at all times every time that man opens his fucking mouth. Holy fuck. The thing that I will forever associate him with more than anything now is just... But Gilbert Godfrey, holy crap, you're my horse. Hey, yeah, Peter. (laughs) 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 Family guy when he's Peter's horse. You just got to love how you have some people like that in in Hollywood history. It's like, this guy has a career just because he has a really excruciating voice. And there you go. (laughs) He, He is my example of how you do the annoying loudmouth successfully versus Aquafina. The, I can see that. I cannot stand Aquafina. There's a charm somehow to Gilbert Gottfried that is missing from Aquafina. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just that moment. It, it's just such a quiet scene. And then Mr. Beetle passes by and then, ah, you duds. And I just, I, I burst I, I out even... laughing and I laughed at it through the rest of the movie. His his fucking voice and his like especially his performance in here it's not it's not bad by any means he's he's doing a great job yes. with the character that he's playing but I'm not joking he was literally raising my fucking blood pressure as he kept talking I was like oh my god this fucking character dude but then they, at the same uh, time it's just like he's he's like one of the best characters and one thing I was talking to my wife about which I guess I should have said at the beginning of this Chris the person that suggested this is my wife um. I can't talk about divorce is people uh <laughs> people love to put him with basically the opposite of his voice over and over and over again cuz so in this he has the uh like the the song that kind of at near the end of it turns into a duet with her and then in Aladdin 
there's literally a moment where as Iago and he's dressed as the flamingo that he's got to get Aladdin out of the room. So they switched the Jasmine voice actor where he's supposed to be imitating her, but it's the Jasmine voice actor. And he's like, he's like, all right, now to get the show on the road. Oh, Aladdin. Like they love, yeah. they do that. And then in return to Jafar, he has a singing duet with the Jasmine voice actor. Mm-hmm. So it's like people love the juxtaposition between Gilbert Gottfried and literally any feminine voice uh, because they keep doing it over and over and over I'll- again. Although the most important thing he ever did in his career was, wasn't it Gilbert Gottfried who did some of the Twilight readings? Oh my Have God, about I forgot that? about that. Yeah. Oh. And just the fact that that happened makes me happy. <laughs> Dude. Um, all right, then we go from Gilbert Gottfried to Neil fucking Ross. Probably underutilized. But he's if if you're a child of the '80s or '90s, Neil Neil Ross voiced everything that you watched. Yeah, Joe Transformers, Transformers the movie, like uh, he's uh, American Tale. He's listed in American Tale. Final well, Fantasy VII remake. Interesting. Yeah, like he's all over everything. Star Wars: The Old Republic, right? Cloudy the Chance of Meatballs. Um, Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. Um, yeah, he's all over everything. So, you know, Neil Ross, even if you don't know him, you know, his work yep. for sure. Yep. Carol Channing is Miss Fieldmouse, probably my favorite song in the whole movie. It's really good. It's really, <laughs> it's really good. I, I think it's probably the only song in the movie that I specifically found memorable. Like it's this thing, like a lot of the songs are not bad, but they're just not memorable, especially when you think of like the time period and just how many iconic songs are in animation from the late eighties and early nineties, you know? Right. Or even today, like fucking, you know, stuff from like Moana and Moana and frozen and stuff, you know, uh, it's just, I, I found her song really good, but that was kind of the only standout song to me. Yeah, it was the only standout one to me. I enjoyed the Gilbert Gottfried one, but that's more to do with the fact that it was show tunes and it was Gilbert Gottfried. Um, right. But yeah, the Miss Field Mouse, um, that was my probably my favorite song in the whole thing. And then Goddamn Legend as Mr. Mole, the war doctor himself. John God, Hurt. I love John Hurt, dude. I forgot he was in this until he started talking. And I was like, oh, shit. I saw his name at the beginning. I was like, what? What, what, what? Yeah. Um, no love more. Love that, man. Yes. John Hurt. One of what absolutely on the screenplay rewind Mount Rushmore. Absolutely. 1000%. Um like I said he's the the war doctor, he's Ollivander in the Harry Potter films, uh he's the elephant man, he's Kane in Alien, he's Winston Smith in nineteen eighty four. All over the place. You if you if you want to make me just be devastated for an entire week, pick fucking Elephant Man. No thanks for Friends and Family Month. Oh my god. That movie is so good, but it just soul so fucking soul crushing at the same time, man. Oh, I always forget he's in V for Vendetta. Oh yeah, he's like the uh prime minister, right? He yeah. <laughs> yeah. The he's prime minister in the sense that Putin is president. Yes. <laughs> um, he uh he's got that scene where <laughs> Too he crushes soon, bro. Too soon. <laughs> he, he uh he's got that scene where he crushes the glass in his hand. Um, and everything that's about the only time you see wanna, his face I want to watch that movie again I actually like the movie I haven't seen it in a very long time I haven't seen it since I ran it ran it in IMAX um, but yeah that's the uh, that's pretty much the cast 
I, I want to talk about this real quickly. Um, I, I love how some of the the cast on IMDb is like cow, uncredited chicken, right. uncredited. Right. I feel like we should just we should just name the Futurama podcast Futurama podcast uncredited. uncredited. <laughs> the uncredited Futurama podcast. Yeah, really, really good casts outside of the frogs. Holy the fuck, the frogs make me sad. Oh my god, I hate the goofs page on IMDb. I hate it so much. Why? What did you see on it? The richest rodent for miles around. Moles are not rodents. Nine out of ten people found this interesting. Ron <laughs> um, is the one. Oh my god. Uh, there's one for Frozen when she says in Let It Go when she uses the word fractals and someone is like this movie is set in 18 whatever fractals wasn't a word. Are you serious? Yes. Who fucking cares? Oh that's that's on the goose page to IMDb. Fucking look it up. And I think they had well, the, the year wrong too, because I think they the year they said before photography and this photography in Frozen Two. <clears throat> well, I, I think they just let that shit be ran like the fucking Wild West. I don't think they monitor the quotes, goofs, or any of that shit at IMDb. It's I fucking think they just... localized for our time period. My God, you know, like some of this shit. Um, no, if it's set in. Like 1400s? You want to hear people talking like they're in the 14 fucking hundreds, Jeff? You gonna watch a whole I, I movie also, of I, that? I, I also like how they, they got so butthurt over the fractals thing and not the fact that she has fucking ice powers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, just like, you go fuck yourself with your fucking... Like, you have split Don't. the hair so much, there is no longer hair left. It's just like, go fuck yourself, dude. But I digress. Anyways. I digress. Is also yeah, the I, I think I think the cast is actually I think the cast everyone's actually like really well chosen. Yeah, yeah, they're they're put uh, put in they're cast pretty well for their roles. Is what I'm trying to say again, I'm mm -hmm. tired. Uh, I, I really like the Giacomo guy. Yes, although I I, 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 I did think... write down that he's really bad at being a bird. But yeah, he's so so. Uh, Aurora and I were talking. We were watching it about how like why doesn't he just like fly her to the thing and. It made me think of the Lord of the Rings Eagles argument, and I was like, you know what? I, I don't, I don't get behind. I don't get behind. I don't get behind the whole stupid ass Eagles debate over Lord of the Rings. I get behind the Giacomo being a fucking idiot and not realizing he can just fly her ass. You literally, have, this movie's ten minutes long. If he just remembers, he can fly, you know, and carry her at the same fucking time. Yeah. Uh, did, so did, funny. There's something I want to look up because they said something in the original story. Uh, I don't think I don't remember them saying in the movie but you know when he's upside down in the cave and she revives him yes in the original story she when she hears his heart beating she remembers that in the winter swallows pass out until their body temperature reaches a certain level and they wake up again so she hugs <laughs> him until he wakes up and I was like, is that a thing? I have no idea. They literally just passed. Like, that's the thing that's wrong with him in the story is he was trying to help her and he didn't escape winter. So he passes out. Um, I can't. I'm having a hard time like finding it on Wikipedia or anything, but we need fucking Cole Ross here to tell us about birds. But yeah, <laughs> right, he, uh, yeah. But anyways, I, and then I started thinking about swallows so much. All I could think about is, is Giacomo a European swallow or he's, an African a... swallow? <laughs> <laughs> um, Does his uh, grandfather smell idea, of elderberries? Uh, 
Aurora had an idea in that she was saying maybe he does it on purpose so that she would kind of like become more self-sufficient and less reliant. But I, I but he's also just like clearly an idiot. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to believe. Cause like when he has like, when he has like, he clearly has like a fucking poseable thumbs and fingers, but he's like, what do I do with this thorn? It's been my wing for two years. I just like, come on, man, Dude, just pull a fucking thorn out, bro. His fucking bloodborne esque hand on the end of the wing was <laughs> freaking me out in the silhouette. Yeah. Of his oh hand. Oh yeah. my God. Um, yeah, I can see that. I like how the design looks like he's wearing gloves, right? Like he's got leather gloves <laughs> on, but to me, it was just too close to something out of bloodborne. Um, I no, like his character I, though. I, I think he's a fun character. The, uh, the I think the performance the... is very good. Yeah, uh, with the yeah, I, I think he. I think the actor really sells what otherwise would have been like a really obnoxious character, just because oh, of yes. how fucking stupid he is at times. But I think I think uh, Gino Conforti actually like really sells it. Um, I feel, sometimes I had a hard time telling if he's French or Italian because he acts Italian and speaks French. Oh, uh, when, when the movie started and he he first opened his mouth and his like first line came out, I was telling Aurora that if this movie was made today, one thousand percent that'd be Lin Manuel playing that character. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, which now I want to see that movie. But no, like at the at the end of the day, and this is not to like, um, you know, put down what Aurora's theory was. I think at the end of the day, it's a children's fairy tale made into a children's movie. And I think it just doesn't matter. Uh, it's, yeah. Ultimately it, it's not, it's not the point. Like, in the original uh, story, the original story finally ends with him carrying her him flying off with her. Um, so, I mean, even through that entire story, uh, no one is, I think, I think he offers one time and she turns him down. Okay. And then every time after that, is that, but it's, you know, because there's a it's lot just more like, going on here. Than, it, it, yeah, because it's, it's one of those. Bird. It's one of those things where it's like, if you get caught too caught up in like the like the specificity of it, you kind of lose the point because it's a fucking fairy tale. Like the whole point is the moral. You know, right. like people get people get too wrapped up in like the fucking fractal details instead of realizing what the gist of the movie is. You know, right? Um, yeah, it's. I don't know. I have a lot more issues with. Fucking mom, Mama June over there, just letting her run around the chickens and geese that are probably just gonna she, swallow her whole. When she almost cooks her into a fucking pie. Oh my god! And it's all you, sold as charming, and you're just like, oh yeah. god. I was I was mortified. I was like, you almost <laughs> ate your fucking. First of all, she she is also not disturbed enough when the tiny little person comes out of the flower. I'd be screaming and running for the hills if I saw a fucking digit sized <laughs> person. Fire. No get from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. Jesus Christ. Mr. But, Mole's yeah. in the corner. Not again. Not again. Not again. Get this man to mental Oh, God. Check, please. Check, please. Check, please. <laughs> oh, Lord. Anyways, what were we talking about? Oh, 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 so, oh, so uh,. Aurora has reminded me that she asked a good witch for a child, so she was expecting it. But I, I would still be mortified if I actually saw I, it work. Like I told That's my wife, I though, <laughs> I don't, I don't consider that a child. Like she's born sixteen years old and out of a she's flower, and the size of it. Oh God, stop it! Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's the size of your fucking thumb, so you name her after your thumb. Like she's the she's the size of your fucking Giacomo bloodborne hand digit. But she's Jesus. born almost old enough to vote. Like, 
I, I would be yeah. pissed at that witch. <laughs> like you oversold yeah, it this. Was like a, it was a fucking monkey's paw wish, man. <laughs> right? Uh, oh, God. look, one of my chickens ate my daughter. That's the third one this week. <laughs> the third one? God damn it. <laughs> I baked another one in a pie. God damn it. Uh, I must have forgotten to pit one of these cherries. <laughs> oh, dude. This is fucking. It somehow became even more dark than Pan's fucking labyrinth, dude. Oh, God. I can't. I can't. Okay. Oh, I'll slide. Well, I mean, everyone is trying. To fucking like force themselves on this poor woman. It's so, but but also, you gotta give them props for conveying that story because yeah. that happens in real life every fucking day, every fucking day. Like the like the term trophy wife. You know, uh. just think about think about disgusting that term is uh. by itself, and that's what the story that's what the story's about. Like I think it's so cool that there's a fucking movie aimed, you know, like specifically at children that is conveying that story that you just don't see talked about very often and for it to have happened it's so it's so funny because you know we talk about like you know there's some stereotypical stuff that's very very like oof to look back on 20 years later but this storyline like the core conceit of of her character and the theme is is very ahead of its time that's stuff that's talked about now right yeah um, it's interesting uh, as far as as far as terms go that uh oof you know that just kind of like freak us out a little bit i get Sugar mama and sugar daddy, but sugar baby disturbs me. Uh, I I was I was very disturbed by the lady frog's uh chest region. Oh, dude, why? Okay, first off, that's one. <laughs> first thing. off, first off, the frog. That is that's one thing. All right, the, the, uh, why is there a boobalicious frog? And it's very weird. Why does she have teeth? It's, that was it's mortifying. Freaky. That was straight out of Bloodborne as well. Like I was just about to say, that I was pretty sure. Like if you if you just one to one translate that, scariest Bloodborne boss. Told you right I, now. I did have a a couple of uh, moments. I wrote down one example, so naturally I don't remember what all of the examples were. Now, um, I did have one moment of like, especially at the beginning, it seemed like the movie was having a hard time with its tone to me, where this woman's daughter is in the middle of being kidnapped and it turns into a Tom and Jerry sketch with hero. Yeah. That's a little weird. It was a little weird. It does that again later. One of the time I'm trying to think of what it was now, but especially with hero was like the longest run. Like it felt like half the movie was, the, 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 was this yeah. hero moment. The only thing I can think of and, and here, here was the dog, right? Yes. Okay. The only thing I can think of is they were actively, looking at their story and moments that could could potentially be like too frightening to kids. Right. To little kids, you know, uh, you little kids that are about to have their sexual awakening, looking at the, the boob frog. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and they're just like, okay, so how can we, <laughs> please not include sexual awakening and kids in the same sentence ever again, please. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, oh. this podcast was already on all the NSA oh, watch lists. Oh, dude, I shudder <laughs> at the fucking frog. The, when the frog walked out, I was I was perturbed. I was very very disturbed, and uh, yeah, it's just the frog oh. had boob physics too, right? Yeah, she was better alive. All frog volleyball was happening on the oh, screen. Oh my dude. god! Oh fuck! Yeah. Blah. 
but but uh i, I that think that had to have been a concession for like we're gonna have the scene you know she's getting kidnapped it's potentially scary for very little children so how about we throw in where we can still have her you know getting kidnapped and it's still playing into that darker you know tone while also not just having a scary sequence you know it's it's a lot of it's played for comedy with the dog so i can kind of i can kind of see like that mindset but also i can see that conversation happening i i yeah. think it is but i think so you're right opposite that it is a tonal issue the juxtaposition of it is, yes. is a bit weird. it's kind of jarring and then yeah. we switch back and it's like well now i'm just kind of on edge like what kind of movie am i watching i'm kind of waiting for it to happen again um i do love though the name of the dog is hero and he gets a hero moment and he's not the hero and he fucks it up yeah uh, that's uh, i don't know he was trying pretty good he's old yeah he was trying he was he trying um, he was a good dog he tried he's, he's a good dog uh can we talk about can we talk about the fucking fucking prince needle with his fucking sword and how he always has his sword out for no reason and like the first time he meets her he has like his sword out and the, the next thing he does is just immediately grab try to grab her by the waist from behind without her looking yeah it's a bit weird it, it's um Every chance he gets, he whips his sword out. And I kept telling Chris with his size, all I kept thinking of is one of those toothpicks in your sandwich to hold your sandwich together on a picnic. They have the, <laughs> they have the rapier size ones. Like they're like blue yeah. and green and red. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it just needed to be clear and red. And I think that's the sword he's using. I really wish it had been that. That would have been so amazing. Uh, that, that's what it would be in like, uh, in like an It Takes Two game or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, why? Why does he always have his sword? He cannot talk without whipping his sword out and waving it around. And the, <laughs> the first time she meets him, he whips out his sword and waves it all around, and she's just like, "Oh, I love you." And I'm like, "The guy's a menace. <laughs> like, <laughs> he's a menace to society." He's a fuck. And the first thing he does is cut up her favorite book. <laughs> he cuts up the page. Well, I mean, wait, 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 wait. No, 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 you got to think about this though. By the end of it, I 1,000% get why she'd be into him after she's seen what happened to, with the fucking frog and the fucking beetle and all these other, like, pieces of shit. Uh, <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta settle uh, for the, for that psycho and kind of, like, like lesser of evils, you know? You're saying that she's the dad and, uh, Mitch's was the machines, like, has yes. the world gone mad? <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, here, here's, here's a conversation I wanted to have, too. There's so many homages to disney stuff with the book the way you know you open it up and and end it with like the sleeping beauty slash snow white book he's clearly a reference to peter pan and his depiction uh his design his mannerisms there's so much of it she's you know like you have multiple people that were voices from disney products uh aurora caught during the movie about how the dress of thumbelina switches colors between pink and blue which is uh sleeping beauty as right. a call as a call back to that are these homages where he because with of with course Bruce aurora back, would notice aurora's dress colors right <laughs> so but, but but the interesting thing is to me because he has a background with them and he almost it's it's almost like a love-hate relationship with him and disney i can't tell if he's like poking fun at them homaging them Sit, like having everything be like a fuck you to them I but, but think, his, re- his I relationship is just so complicated it's almost like he can't like he couldn't decide i think he's drawing on the iconography things that's recognizable to the audience 
is, yeah. is more what he's interested in. But rather. there's just there's there's so much of it I, that I I can't tell if he's doing it mean spiritedly or if it if it is just him you know having like I know I think it, there's I think so he's many after the iconography. I think I don't think it's necessarily mean spirited or poking fun at anybody. I think it's just this is what the audience recognizes this is what they think of. And yeah, I think he's pulling yeah. on the on the on the iconography and playing on that. But he also never does that. He he's the type that we were just like talking about, like with how it's a one to one translation and not an adaptation. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do that typically. Right. He, he he is just conveying the stories he wants to to tell. You know, he 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 is not usually using that type of shorthand. Uh, to where I don't. I I think I think he's just. A fascinating dude, uh, and and I I can never put a finger on, uh, if if he has, and maybe maybe it's both. Maybe he has both, you know, because like Disney gave him a career, but he he had a falling out with them. So maybe it's you know like a love hate relationship with Disney and you know just animation in general about like what it became. I I would be fascinated to to have him be like on a podcast oh. and just listen to him talk about like the history of animation and just kind of like what he guess he's an interesting guy and he had all of these you know kind of out, out of left field stories in a time where you know disney had become you know very kind of formulaic with a lot of their stuff and i i just think it'd be interesting to hear his kind of like perspective on stuff you know i, I don't know if you got any of that while watching it but it was just kind of on my mind because you know we've been watching a lot more classic disney stuff so it's been on my mind a lot and just the kind of like juxtaposition of don bluth versus disney over the years and over the decades and you know, even now, how he would feel with any of his stuff being on Disney Plus, you know, is an interesting conversation. I think. Yeah, um, I I'm not experienced enough. I, I I don't honestly know. I have seen a lot of his work, but it's not stuff that I watched over and over throughout my childhood or anything. Um, most of the time, I I watched a lot of his stuff like once, maybe twice. It didn't really. It didn't really connect, stick with me. Yeah, it didn't really you. connect with me uh, the way a lot of the Disney stuff did, or uh, even some of like DreamWorks and stuff like that. Yeah, um, you know, it's not that not saying that his stuff's bad or not that it doesn't work for me. It just it it didn't really uh, for a, I mean for a child, you know, it it just didn't land uh, for me. <laughs> Looking back was- as an adult, I probably feel different on a lot of it, but I just don't remember so much of it. And that's what's so interesting, too, is like uh, looking back on his earlier works like this and American Tale and all those types of movies. I almost have like more of an appreciation for them as an adult just because he was willing to make stuff that was different. Right. Uh, In a time period when they were all banking on this stuff being a specific formula and being kind of obviously influenced by Walt Disney while also clearly making stuff that is counterintuitive to what you would consider being Disney animated material. It's just like uh, this whole kind of this whole kind of like history to animation that I find really interesting and how it kind of ebbs and flows and how they've had kind of, you know, like, like, you know, Disney has periods in time where they've been huge and they've kind of, you know, fallen off the rails for a few years, then kind of pick themselves back up. Uh, It's just, I just find it very interesting looking back on if if I watch something like because I remember the one movie of his that really connected with me as a little kid was American Tale. But to your point, I haven't seen it in probably, you know, 25 years. Right. So it was just really weird that he had these types of movies. 
that even ones that did connect to me when I was little didn't stay with me. Uh, but I think they're really interesting to revisit because uh, revisiting Anastasia in particular, I think you should find a way to go watch it. I thought Anastasia was actually really, really, really good and a lot better than I remembered it being. You know, it had great characterization. And it's just like, I think some of his stuff is is worth revisiting with the kind of mindset of 2022 in, you know, how we've gotten to the point to where we're, you're, we're trying to make more of an emphasis on female representation and these darker themes while also making it somewhat accessible to little kids. Uh, and, and, you know, kind of convey these morals to these stories that I think are important for kids to know about, but that that on a, on a, like a larger scale, we've gotten almost like too afraid to tell little kids stuff. You, you think about like the We're type regressing of regressing when it comes to that type of stuff right now. When, when you think about what me. we saw, what you and I saw on Cartoon Network and Nickelodeon in the 90s would never be made now. For, would never be made now. And it's all just loud, flashy animation for the most part. There are no, obviously, there are hidden gems. There are good cartoons being made now. I'm not saying that. But if, if you talk about kind of like the average cartoon, like I, I think it has regressed in what we're conveying to kids. And I, I am, you know, a little bit nervous when I think about, you know, what, what was the, uh, what's the, the cartoon that was like a long running one that like all the parents hate? Uh, you, you know the one I'm talking about? Uh, no, it was a more recent one. Uh, but it was a huge one that like parents had like huge issues with the like the morals that were being like uh, portrayed in it. Uh, yeah, it, it was a what little, a blessed, charmed like, uh, fucking life that you must lead. The thing you know, the biggest problem in your world is this cartoon that's probably on Nickelodeon, <laughs> and just. Of all the first world problems, I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know. I could, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you and Chris are also like very particular about what you show the kids. So, I mean, I think it is like an important conversation to have about what we're showing kids because it is very influential. You know, like fuck, like Batman the Animated Series and Spider Man cartoons, they were like my Bible as a little kid. You know, like that's what I gravitated to that's you know it influences you as a person you know, like what you are exposed to as a kid so I, was, I think it isn't i was four when i saw batman 89 in theaters multiple times with my mom mm -hmm. that is not something my kids have watched yet and they're five <laughs> yeah right <laughs> you just think it think thinking back like, uh, maybe, like uh, alone <laughs> like, like like would you show your kids written and simpy probably not <laughs> it's kind of fucked up not yet no for sure yeah yeah, Paw Patrol and Octonauts and stuff a little longer, I think. Mm -hmm. I hate PJ Masks, though. I do have a problem with PJ Masks. We need to fucking get that off the TV. It's just bad. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. <laughs> but, uh, oh, man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. Uh, we've gone through pretty much all my notes except for my first one. That opening opening shot of the movie. Very, very much Boletaria, I have to say. Right. Horrifying. Yeah. That first shot though, I swear to God, I want to get them side by side. Yeah, like Demon Souls would later do the exact same shot of something that looks very similar. Mm -hmm. And I think it was even like fog covered, and I was like, oh no. This story is going <laughs> in a different route than what I remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh 
God, I'm just scrolling back through the IMDb and yet again finding the tagline of digit size. And I just I just never want to see that that phrase again in my entire life, please. Stop. This will always forever be associated for me with Hi you Dutch! It's so gross but so charming at the same time, and I just don't know. It's in a children's movie. Hi you Dutch! <laughs> Nathan was saying it. Like Really? Yes. <laughs> That's great. I was just like, oh my god, what is happening? I just can't Wait till he goes to school and hi, a dutz. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. It's yeah. I don't so know. Here, here's like, do do you do you like the movie? Do you like the Molina? That's that's funny. It's exactly what I was going into. Um, I think it's okay. Uh, I don't I don't have any interest in watching it again. Uh, I still find it. I my critique. In 94, I feel like it's the same as it is now, which is, it's kind of boring to me in places. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I, I, uh, I appreciate it more than I like it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, like, I appreciate I, I, I appreciate that. what they were going for and how like kind of ballsy they were with it. But now, un- understandably, this isn't aimed as like a moral for us. This movie is, you know, very important to to like little girls around this time because there weren't a lot of stories that were talking about this stuff right um yeah i think it's beautifully animated and stuff as well i just think the uh the colors while there's a lot of use of color everything's so darker in tone it almost comes across a little bit gray in places to me Mm -hmm. um whereas you know you used to you think of animation you know, you think of Disney or even like DreamWorks or any of that stuff where it's just flashy and poppy, all the all opposite colors and stuff. Like Kung Fu Panda, the way it pops, the use of color and Frozen and Moana, even. Oh, uh, dude, Mo- Moana is just the animation is. Oh the, my like, god! Just, just looking, just looking at the water in, in Moana blows your mind. But I, I, that's not just we're, the Moana, by the way. That's, co- that's also we're eventually going to cover Moana, and I have in my bullet points. The water, the hair, and the clothing. The stitching and the clothing and stuff. Uh and, and just like how, how good they've gotten. The like sale. looking at like any of the any of the characters' hair in Encanto was fucking. Did you watch it yet? To... I did. I did. Miniature review, go. What do you think of Miniature it? Miniature review. Oh, oh my, my last point at the Molina was just I was gonna say the, the kind oh, of right. color scheme you're talking, We're talking about. about another movie. <laughs> the co- the color scheme you're talking about uh-huh. uh was just bluth in general because american tale is also very right. kind of dreary in color palette oh. anastasia is as well I don't uh, know titan ae titan ae was very dark as well but that makes sense because titan ae was like yeah, i don't sci-fi. know what to yeah. i don't know how to describe it because it's not muted but muted is what i want to say it's like subdued yeah uh, uh, i would say because it's it uses a lot of color and it uses color very well but uh, everything there, there's no there's no it's like it's more of like a it's like more it's like warm the saturation a, is turned down uh it's yeah like the contrasts yeah it, there's no there's not a lot of contrast to make it pop like you talked about and it makes everything just kind of like uh Samey. come across yeah but not bad it's, it's just, not, he, yeah, just again, it's that art, bad. he just likes that art style and, and again even the animation like to like to the conversation we were talking about earlier about how he was kind of like bucking the trend a little bit just the fact that it's not flashy is interesting because that that's just like animation 101. On, yeah, he's not trying to sell you on the animation alone. Yeah, that's animation 101 is to make, you know, the characters pop, to, especially if you're having it be a thing for little kids. Because that's one of the things that, fuck, like, when you're a little kid, 
the colors, the moving fucking colors are fascinating to you because your brain's not fucking developed yet, you know, right. and that's just how it is. But he, that way he was just going for a different aesthetic. And I can also appreciate that. It's like, I appreciate like the aspirations of the, of the stuff he did more than like the products themselves, which is something that maybe that's just me looking back as a fucking boomer like, and just as someone who also tries to be creative sometimes and just kind of looking back and like being able to appreciate that, uh, it is, it is interesting to kind of just buck the trend in the ways that he did. So, but, um, in Canto, I thought it was okay. I'll probably never watch it again. Yeah. I, I didn't really like it to be honest. I thought I actually interesting enough. Um, I I think the music's overrated, which pains me to say because uh, I love Lin Manuel. Uh, I, uh, uh, watch yourself. I I uh, watch it pains it. me to say it because I <laughs> I love Lin Manuel. I I don't I don't really care for any of the songs, any. even the famous one. I, I don't care for any of them. Any well, oh, okay. When you say the famous one, are you talking about? We don't talk about Bruno. Yeah, that I thought it was okay. That song sucks. I thought, don't listen to that. Uh, one. The the. F- the first, well, that's the famous one, right? Yes, Isn't that the, the one everyone one. talks about? Yes. Yeah, I, I don't like that we one. Don't, we don't uh, talk about Bruno or Bruno's song. Uh, uh, that one's massively overrated. The only one I liked uh, was when she's, there's like a slow motion sequence where she's like talking about her family at the, towards the beginning that I liked. And that was basically the only one. I can't remember like, how it went, Oh, it hurts us. I've been what listening. You- I've been listening to Surface Pressure on repeat since I saw that movie. What's that one again? What scene was that one with? That is her sister, the super strong one with the donkeys dancing in the background. That one's okay. Oh, come on. I, I, I just... This I, podcast I, I, I is don't over. Know. None, of the, none of the music hit no. me. I, I, I couldn't remember like the sequence that it happened with. I just the, wasn't crazy I was about happy it. the movie existed to give me surface pressure. I've been listening to it on repeat really? since that's then. It. See, that's, that's, that's interesting because I'd already forgotten basically like the entire movie. Oh, my God. Go back and I listen just, to surface pressure. No, no, I'm not, I, no, I'm not no, saying it's no. I'm not saying it's bad. It no, just wasn't. I just, no, go listen to it. You didn't listen to it right. <laughs> yeah, I didn't listen to it right. You didn't your listen pot, to it right. Your your opinion is watch, mute. Watch it on YouTube and watch the dancing donkeys again. I'm not saying it was bad. It was oh, good. Yeah, I, no, I I just didn't find it memorable. Mm-mm. Like you just don't remember liking it is the problem. Oh, okay, that's fair. Yeah, the that's the fair. the movie is not a good movie. I, I I thought it was bad in general. I thought it was poorly written. I didn't I didn't think everything. it was bad. I just thought it was incredibly milk toast. Uh, and <laughs> that's very... what they called me in high school. <laughs> in, the incredible milk toast. That's probably it's probably one of the d- deleted scenes characters in, in Thumbelina. <laughs> it was milk toast. But uh, that's the prince, isn't it? <laughs> oh my god, no. Uh, yeah, no, it's I, I have no need to uh to revisit this movie or Encanto. I haven't seen uh what's the other one that came out recently? People Luca? Was that one when they I came never out? Saw I haven't Luca. seen that one. I think Chris watched it and didn't care for it. Does Chris like any of the animated movies though that they've done recently? She does. Uh, does... yeah. Yeah, she likes several. What is uh really telling though is when we were watching Encanto, Nathan asked a couple of times for us to turn it off. Um, Yikes! Haley was coloring most of the time and just kept saying every few minutes over and over, "This movie's terrible." Really? Yes. Damn. So it didn't even pass the five-year-old test. Like it was. That's a, it, yeah, dude. I'm dude. I'm telling you though. There, there's. I swear to God. There's. Do you remember uh, when 
James Cameron's Avatar came out James and people Cameron. were just like people were like losing their shit. The movie's and bad. you just watch the movie. The movie's bad. The movie is bad. Uh Inside Out is also a bad movie that people are just like losing their minds over. I thought Avatar is bad before it was trendy to say it's bad. I, I, I disliked it immediately. Immediately. And I had to run uh, it. I disliked forever, it. And it's my dad's favorite movie. And it that makes me, me so I, I I love your dad. He's awesome. I don't. Makes me so sad. <laughs> he likes Avatar. <laughs> He's kicked out of the family. Yep. <laughs> I am I Ron Snow now. I have dis- I I have removed the last I, name. I don't have a dad. My my mom went to a witch, said she wanted a child, and I came out of a flower. That's how it happened. Yeah. Ron <laughs> Bellina. Ron Bellina. The sequel we never knew we needed. Just don't say I'm digit sized. We don't like that. It's a slur now. <laughs> It's a slur. It's a slur. I like how that's out of this fucking movie. That's the slur. That's the slur. Not, not I can, the frogs. I can handle not. a malicious what, Mexican frog. Like what? Oh, oh, they're 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 Hispanic because there's actually like Spanish words on posters around their little that, boat see, thing, that's and what I'm I just thought. like it's and I, it's so it makes me so uncomfortable watching it now. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand. It's so, it's so weird. It's who, so out of left field. Who said, but what if the frogs were Mexican? Like, I don't, I don't get it. Well, one, of, one of them is named fucking Gringo, dude. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. And it wasn't even Mel Gibson. Oh. See, if, if Mel Gibson voiced one of the Hispanic frogs in Thumbelita, instantly 10 out of 10 movie of the year. I, I would. Oh, my God. <laughs> if we could have. Hi, toots, followed up by sugar tits from a frog. <laughs> sugar toots. <laughs> that's that's, that's going to be my Elden Ring character. <laughs> All right. I 1,000% I approve of this message. Uh, it took us an hour and 15 minutes, but we got there. We got there. It's on our Futurama podcast. There you go. There you go. Hi, sugar toots. God damn it. Oh. But yeah, uh, I I I oh, I, I definitely don't hate this movie. I, I I appreciate what it was going for. It's just n- not aimed at you and me, which I think you had actually talked about when you first said that Chris had picked it, and that you think it's probably going to be okay, but just not aimed at us. And it's exactly what it is. It's just not aimed yeah. at us. It's 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 fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But uh, why don't you introduce uh, what huh? Bobby <laughs> has selected for next week? I'm just making up words here. Uh, <laughs> was, was there a sentence in there? It's late. There, there's, uh, I'm very. T- it's very late. We we've been uh, we were talking for an hour and a half about uh, frog boobs. So my brain just no longer works. So yeah, what's what's Bobby's got uh, on the way for? Oh my god, frog boobs is the thing that just yeah. happened. Uh, that's my my that's my Elden Ring character's name. Frog boobs. <laughs> <laughs> What is happening? Uh, yeah, Bobby has selected for us Tombstone, which I have never seen. Me neither. I'm very excited. I've always wanted. It's one of those fucking movies. Been wanting to watch it for like twenty goddamn years. Just and never get around to it's it. It's tailor made for you and me. If you look at the cast, Dude, that cast. Holy the fuck! I'm so excited. Uh, how the fuck you and I have never seen it is kind of beyond me. If you have, it's, it's actually disgraceful yeah. that we have not seen it. When you look at the cast, if you have uh Hulu, it is on Hulu. IMDb TV, it's available with ads. Um, so you can watch it for free there, I'm presuming, since it has ads. Um, otherwise, you can rent it for $3.99 pretty much anywhere you can rent a movie. 
Um, I'm on um, just watch right now, not the IMDb page, but you know, just a rundown of the cast. Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, Sam Elliott, Bill Paxton, Powers Booth, Michael Bean, Charlton Heston. Ah. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, like it, Stephen Lang is in this movie. Thomas Hayden Church. Uh, yeah. Michael Rooker. Yeah. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Have we not seen this movie? Like, it makes no sense. My mind. Uh, Billy Billy Zane. Okay, sure, but yeah. Um, I don't. I don't understand how you and I have never seen this movie. Terry O'Quinn is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fucking bonkers, dude. So the, yeah, this is this Frank one of the cool things about. Sure. There you go. Star of the show. Yeah. Uh, that's it's interesting too. Like this is like one of my favorite things about this Friends and Family series is like just. Having an excuse to watch something that you never have is is uh, always a welcome thought, especially when it's something like this that is such a fucking painful blind spot for you and me that I'm I'm glad we're gonna be able to watch it and you know talk about it. So, thank you, Bobby. Good good selection. Cannot wait. Uh, like we talked about last time about when he eventually trolls us, it is going to be spectacular. The worst fucking dumpster fire of all time, and I cannot wait. I think I think we're moving too slow for him. There's just certain things he wants to hear us talk about. This being one of them. Yeah. Um, everybody seems to have the same mustache in all these shots, and I'm okay with that. It's a, <laughs> it's a hell of a mustache. It's there, a bold yeah. choice to put a mustache on someone next to Sam Elliott. Uh, that is true. A, that guy has the mustache true. to end all mustaches. So, yeah, mustache eye. I don't know. What's the plural of mustache? Uh, that's the point of like this podcast flo- we have reached. I think they're called. I think they're called a flock of Elliots. I think that's the point. <laughs> a I gaggle of mustaches. A gaggle of a gaggle of Sam Elliots. <laughs> See, this mustache is both Sam and Elliot. Oh, he's more mustache than man at this point. <laughs> the wombo combo. Oh, 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 let me tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you would like to, like we talked about earlier, if you like to email us, screenplayrewind at gmail you can follow us on Twitter at SPR Filmcast for show updates and also hit us up there if you had any prompts or questions you want to have answered by Ron and myself on the show at the beginning, like we did with Bobby's question. Thanks again for that. Uh, Ron, where can people find you on the interwebs? I am at RonSenseTV on the Twitter. There you go. And any ratings, reviews, likes, anything you can do for us, any of the platforms that you've found us on is greatly appreciated and really helps us to spread the word of whatever the fuck this show is that I... I'm just constantly <laughs> questioning why why we put this into the ether and why anyone listens to it is fucking beyond me but thank you all we appreciate you and thanks everyone in advance and who has already suggested movies for friends and family month it's always really fun yes. one of my favorite parts of the show last airbender excluded <laughs> <laughs> thank you so no, 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 I, I enjoyed I, myself I, I, I yeah it, it, it was very cathartic uh, just I enjoyed about watching that. the movie and especially knowing what I was in for the next time I recorded a podcast with Jeff. I just it just made it that much sweeter. Yeah, it was it was very cathartic, very fun. I could uh, hear you from the future as I was watching that movie. <laughs> Jeff from the future. Jeff from the future. Future Jeff. <laughs> it's your kids, Jeff. We have to go back. <laughs> <laughs> They're watching Last Airbender, Jeff. <laughs> They're watching Last Airbender. We have to go back. Uh, but how did they get the hell. blu-ray blu-ray well we're going we don't need blu-ray <laughs> jesus christ uh, i just think back to that that imminent 
Fire Lord Ozai wardrobe malfunction and everything is right in the universe again. Thanks Poor for listening, Clint everyone. <laughs> yeah, bless that man. One of my favorites. And his, <laughs> his broken-ass uniform in the movie. Oh, my God. Oh, love it. Everyone have a good night. We should have opened the podcast with Hiya Tuts. Hiya Tuts. Aurora will spit out cereal. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs>